You're listening to the Dudes and Dads Podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel, welcome back to episode... This is our final episode of the season. Season two coming to a hot end, Andy. It's Yeah, it's been... <laughs> It's been a, a long year. It's, I mean, we've gone through a lot this year. It's, <laughs> we'll, it's been a year. We're going to talk a little bit about that on tonight's episode. But first, Joel, like I want to welcome you back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% uh, corona-free now. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. Yep. I, uh, you know, honestly, I just felt like I had a bad head cold for a little while. So I consider myself fortunate amongst uh, the many who've... Uh, battled this whole thing but yes uh we're back we're in the studio thankfully uh we always like to be back here in person if possible and uh we're also excited about the couple guests that we have this evening which we'll be getting to here shortly but before we do andy let's do a quick catch-up shall we what's brewing what's brewing what's brewing what's brewing what is brewing okay thanks hattie well you know joel it 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 was bound to hit both of us ended up getting it was the bound. coronavirus. It was bound to happen, I guess. So so you're feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. You're feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, it was another one of those situations where uh, we as a whole, a whole household, uh, were doing the e-learning thing and uh, we've been together for a while and here's here's the other little thing uh, of our four children you don't know this yet Andy of our four children two are positive two came back with negative test results so that means that oh, no. one of my kids has to stay out of school even longer now oh man and I have never I'll just I'm gonna put it out there I have never been so frustrated with a negative test result <laughs> <laughs> well and, and i know that was for us too it was it was like okay so if we're gonna get this let's right. get let's it get and be it. done right. with it yep because you know no no good if you know we're negative tests let's just get it get it over with yep i know it and so yeah same here we had just kind of a headache and a head cold but you know it's good to be done with that and back in the studio i agree i agree so hey we're welcome we're so glad to be back with all of you uh this evening and uh you know andy the other special thing we've got going on this evening and we, we always ask for this we seldom get it but it happens from time to time we get legitimate feedback on an episode we do and you can leave us a voicemail to 574-213-8702 again that number is 574-213-8702 so let's uh, listen to that voicemail. Hi, guys. Just calling with a bit of feedback for you from your episode about uh, positive parenting. Um, I really appreciated what you guys had to say about maintaining and modeling positive attitudes for our kids um, when, as we are enduring the pandemic and um, just other dis- difficulties and disappointing things happening in life and um, it reminded me of um, a few episodes prior to that when you had um, Matt Miller on the show, and he said that he had read that the pandemic was, has really just revealed what was already there. And I think that that goes hand in hand with your positive parenting episode. Um, as believers, I think that the pandemic has truly revealed all of the other idols that we have 
um, built our lives around and built our lives on. And so we just have this amazing opportunity right now to just um, really show our children how important it is to only hold on to things that are immovable and unshakable. And as Christians, we know that that thing is only Jesus and, and just modeling for them um, how when life gets difficult and, and our foundation is shaken and we don't know how to plan that we can go to a God who is unshakable and, and we can find rest in him. So keep up the good work guys. Uh, appreciate all that you do. And, uh, Hope my feedback is helpful. Well, that's the episode. Uh, have a good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ju- oh, Julie, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I, the the strong word there to use, but like cultural idol stuff. I, that's what we're, and I think we will be touching on that tonight. I can almost guarantee in our conversation with everything that's going on, year in review, uh, thinking through what's really important to us, right? What's, yeah. what's the big deal? So yeah, because it seems like like you know we had talked a lot about in that episode about trying to keep a positive approach, a positive approach. But I think what she said is is correct. Like there's it brought up what our you know what was either really important to us or not. So it was a good time to to look yes, at our lives. Absolutely. And Andy, I did uh, forget just in the What's Brewing segment. Uh, we, we also like to finish. We also like to feature. Can we, I mean, you you can see it. Can we see it here? Yes. Uh, tonight's coffee comes to us from Union Coffee Co. That uh, we're drinking the uh, their Colombian Union Coffee Co. Uh, brought to us by the. Check this out, Andy. The Nazarenes. Really, I didn't know the Nazarenes were dabbling in coffee these days, but they are. So Union Coffee Co. comes to us out of the Phoenix, uh, Peoria, Arizona area, and uh, yeah, they've got a, this great coffee shop, and um, and uh, we're drinking their Colombian this evening. So thank you, Union Coffee Co. Appreciate it. I'm I'm probably not going to sleep now. So, <laughs> well, we are tonight going to be talking a little bit about a year in a review, and so. We brought two guests on tonight, not one, but two guests. We're going to have Gene Troyer and Chris Knight. Uh, Joel, you want to introduce them real quick here? Yeah, you know, Andy, they say never meet your heroes. And uh, I threw that wisdom to the wind uh, a few years ago. (laughs) And to be honest with you, Chris and Gene have only disappointed me a couple of times. So (laughs) I'm so grateful to (laughs) have uh, have these gentlemen on uh, on the show. So uh, let's see. We're going to start with uh, Gene Troyer. Gene Troyer, he has been married to his lovely wife, Brenda, for 32 years. He has two kids, Cody, 30, Megan, who's 25 he's been in pastoral ministry for 12 years uh most recently his pastoral efforts have led him to uh plant restore church located in beautiful downtown goshen they're entering they're going to be at the three-year mark here this beginning of this coming year so uh exciting times for them uh he serves as the lead pastor there and uh uh, let me just say a brother from another mother and a guy that I like to get around a fire pit every once in a while with and just uh, pick his brain. So grateful us to have uh, Gene on here this evening. Hey, Gene, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Then we got number two, but number one in my heart, Chris Knight. Uh, Chris uh, has been married to his, I wrote this in terrible, like a uh, silver uh, uh, marker. Uh, so he, <laughs> uh, Shauna is, did I say that right, Chris? Yes. 
your wife? Yes, she did. Yes. Yep. All right. So you, you've been married for 25 years. Uh, two kids, Corbin, who's 20, Brennan, who's eight, going to be 18 here, or actually is 18 of the time of this. Uh, so your son, Corbin, daughter, Brennan, and then uh, you've been in pastoral ministry, ministry in general. You've had a, a couple of different hats that you've worn at that time. Uh, pastoral ministry for 24 years. You're currently, uh, do they call you lead or senior pastor there at Wakarusa Missionary Church? Uh, they call me Chris, Good, uh, but yeah, Good. I think the other title is probably senior pastor. Senior pastor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And Chris, how long have you been at uh, Wakarusa there? I am in my fifth year already. Golly, guys, time flies because it, it, I, I know you, I know you know this is true, but man, I, I think about Restore Church launching and then Chris, you also beginning your role there at Wakarusa Missionary and uh, it just, it seems like only yesterday. So, uh, so Chris, again, welcome. Glad to have you with us here this evening. Uh, we are uh, really wanting to have a conversation with two, and I'm going to use the term, I'm going to use all kinds of terms, seasoned veterans. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, I'm trying to dance around like they're not You're so kind. They're not that old. <laughs> These guys are not that old. I want to be very clear, but they've got a lot of experience. And um, I think it's just helpful uh, to have some people who have who between all of us here on the show tonight, you know, we're all we all have different contacts in the community We're we're interacting with different folks. Um, but when it comes to leading an organization in 2020, and particularly caring for people's emotional, mental, spiritual needs, and yes, and yes, some very practical physical needs as well. Um, I think we can all, from our various spheres of uh, experience, can have a good conversation this evening. So, guys, let's just let's start off with a real softball lob uh, here. And and Gene, I'll start with you first. Uh, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, in 2020. What do you think, what if, what's one thing you can say that you have learned about yourself, given everything that has unfolded within this year? Well, to answer that with one answer is <laughs> uh, particularly difficult. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've been leading people for a long time and been in different leadership positions in business as well as in the church. And um, I, I thought I had a pretty good handle on, um, you know, a bruised ego. Uh, you know, I thought I'd gotten past some of those things. And um, I would just tell you that I have been a bit surprised at how emotionally difficult this year has been. I've, I've been through, um, I mean, through business and through the church world, I've navigated some pretty difficult times. And yet this year has taxed my, even my varied experiences. It, it is, it has, uh, I've been surprised at uh, how devastating some of these experiences have been. But at the same time, the resilience of stepping into those places and coming out, realizing that uh, I'm human has also been um, probably a, a really good thing, actually. Mm. It, it helps when you're leading people. It's helped me to be able to 
have more empathy perhaps than this year, uh, than prior to this year. So I don't like it, but I think it's been helpful in that respect. So Chris, uh, I'll give you the same challenge here to uh, in <laughs> and focusing on one thing, but uh, what what you've learned about yourself, what what has kind of come to the surface and your own self awareness uh, in this past year? Sure, yeah, I would say one thing that I've learned about myself is that I'm not as patient as I thought I was. <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty even keel emotional guy. I mean, my my highs are like, yeah, my lows are like, oh, you know, that's too bad. But I, I, I found that my my lows are lower uh, than they've ever been, uh, and uh, it's easy to get discouraged, easy to get depressed. I think uh, probably the one thing that I'm very grateful for in the season is that I stopped measuring success the way I used to. Mm. Uh, when you used to measure success by numbers, so, you know, people who show up to your church on a Sunday, uh, man, if that's how you're measuring success in ministry anymore, it's gotta be a discouraging. Year. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll put this question out to both of you, uh, just to, to push into that piece a little bit. Um, does it feel like in general in your ministry life, uh, like the scorecard is changing? Um, how are you both thinking about quote unquote success? And I, I mean, back up from that word, just, just, uh, faithful, faithful obedience, I guess. Uh, if you were to kind of like, what does faithful, faithful obedience and, and legitimate pastoral, um, responsibility, uh, look like now is is the are the ways you're thinking about that and being quote unquote successful in those areas is it looking is it looking uh, uh, different and Gene I'll I'll put that to you first. Well, it's certainly looking different. You know, Joel, um, I, <laughs> I I actually just. Uh, uh, recorded our um, message for this coming weekend, this afternoon. And um, this was part of that conversation where I talked about how everything has shifted. And what I used to think was important, I still think it's important, but it doesn't really matter if I think it's important because it is not a measuring it's the measurements the, the the metrics that we used to look at have shifted so dramatically that honestly if i would uh be able to just here's the bottom line Joel. all right the bottom line is that it is hard to know how if you're being successful it is it is uh, like, I'm a list guy. You know, I, I like lists. I like to check them off and know that I got that accomplished. And I don't even know what should be on the list anymore sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just wondering, like, okay, uh, what's important here? Bottom line, I know that people are important. People are important. So I'm leaning into those relationships. I'm finding that people need things from me that are different than they used to be. And... Um, I'm also finding that my team needs me differently than they needed me in the past. And so 
yeah, I mean, the metrics have changed and um, this is, um, it's a new ball game. It really is. So Chris, uh, yeah. So similar question. I mean, how are, yeah. How are you thinking about uh, the scorecard about uh, <laughs> I'm using that term. I, I think you, yeah. you, get, you know what I'm saying? When, when, what, when, what measures of yeah. success yeah. are you using to? Yeah. Like, yeah. What's that look like? Sure. I, I think uh, relationship is always the measure of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you doing in relationship? Uh, how are you doing in helping people grow in their maturity? You know, we're a part of, a, of an organization called the Relational Discipleship Network, and I really like that because they measure it in life stages. So you have somebody who is spiritually dead, and then they become a spiritual infant, a spiritual child, uh, a young adult, and, and a spiritual parent. So there's always maturity that can happen, even if you have two people in a room. So my big challenge through this has been trying to develop relationships, keep relationships going, and helping people take that next life stage step uh, so that we're not just sitting stagnant during this season of time. And that's, I mean, just as Gene said, it's just hard. You can come home after a Sunday and wonder if you're winning. Mm-hmm. I actually stopped measuring Sunday and started measuring Monday through Saturday to figure mm-hmm. out how are we that's doing good. with yep. relationships yep. because that's critical. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yep. So, so good. Chris, what are some of the ways that you are investing in people's lives during this time, You know, since it does look different than it, it has before? Sure. Well, uh, even that, and I'm sure Gene would probably say the same, even that has taken so many twists and turns. It's about as many twists and turns as the Elkhart County Health Department. (laughs) (laughs) Because because in one way, we started and everybody got on Zoom and everybody was doing Zoom and we were waking up on Saturday mornings. I had a men's group that was on Zoom at six in the morning on Saturdays. Why they chose that time, I don't know, because they wanted to be yeah. I was there on Saturday morning, you know, and I would say after the first six, seven, eight weeks, you know, it started, the attendance started to drop off a little bit. And then we had to find to connect. Uh, hey, let's go do this. Let's go out for a drive. Let's go sit at the park. Let's go for a walk. You know, and so everything just has shifted. But trying to find the one on one, two on one, you know, small group type of connections has been uh, the way we keep trying to make those connections. Yeah. And. I'm uh, so something I'm personally challenged in right now and, in, in, you know, thinking about uh, mental health, right? If, and, and I, as a, as a youth and young adult worker, like um, I am, I mean, something that quote unquote keeps me up at night is, uh, is really how our, how our young people are doing and just everybody in general. But like, you know, obviously in my sphere of responsibility, I'm just thinking constantly like, Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, so many of these students, their, their social interactions have dramatically changed. Uh, the, the things that they look forward to that are high spots in their, in their year are either being dramatically canceled altogether or reworked or, I mean, I went through a pretty significant, uh, uh, (laughs) season of, uh, frustration with this past year's high school graduates as they were, as their, you know, their end of year stuff was all going away and, and, and just, you know, coming alongside of them and all of that. And, um, and so I, I think about those people and, and the, and, and just kind of the, the mental health challenges and the disappointments and the struggle. And as I'm focusing on those things, I'll be honest with you. I did not have a real great game plan for my own mental health 
from my as a as a pastor like i was and and we have this is the pastor's disease am i right gentlemen like you know we're we're thinking about other people we're trying to stay focused Mm. on caring for other people and then before we know it it's like there's not the gas in the tank to do that because we've not had our radar up for you know what we ourselves need to be doing so i put it to you i just i'm wondering guys uh uh, gene what uh what has self-care looked like for you uh just trying to you know, think through uh, what you can do to keep yourself healthy and 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 in a, and as good a place as possible uh, in this past season. What what has that looked like? I have a replenishment cycle that I have tried to stick with, and um, by that I mean um, all of us have certain things that we need to do on a regular basis or some of, sometimes it's weekly, some things are monthly, some things are, you know, every six months annually. And um, fortunately, um, I have been able to be at the beach. I just, I, I was in Mexico on vacation uh, a couple of weeks ago. Please tell us more about that, Gene, please tell us more. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was a week of doing nothing that Brenda and I so desperately needed, but that's one of my replenishment things that I have to do, or I feel it, is to be uh, in the sun and in by the beach if uh, a couple times a year. That's one of the things I just, I know that I, I have to try to work that in, and I, I hope that I can continue to do that. Um, the other thing is um, reading of not just, you know, us pastors, we... If, if we're going to stay fresh, we are reading all the time and we're, we're uh, receiving so that we can give out. But so often I get caught and Chris, you might too, but I get caught in this uh, non world. Like you, it's, it's always about how do I uh, feed myself so that I can then give uh, to my people. And uh, I have to have, times of reading junk why by that i mean like uh, the the fiction world has some great writers and i love a good fiction book but most of the time i have to wait until i get on vacation i used to have this rhythm where i would read a fiction book and then like i would read a fiction book and probably three other books and then another fiction book try to have that rhythm of of creative and imaginative of fiction writing that can also then feed my creativity as I'm writing messages as, as, and as I'm talking to people. So that's some of what I've done, but, um, you know, there has been uh, the constant shift from, oh, we're meeting in person, then we're meeting online and helping my team be creative about how we make those shifts. Uh, there has been less time for uh, replenishing myself and um, and yet i'm i'm honestly i feel like i'm in a really good place mm, okay. and i think it's just by the grace of god that he's sustained me during this time and i don't mean that to sound cliche or anything but uh it is it is interesting sometimes i'm kind of sick like i feel like i'm sick because i'm thriving in the middle of these really difficult times but you know some of it is just this challenge of 
getting beyond it, getting through it, getting uh, maximizing what we do during this time. I think it's uh, it's really helpful for for mental health to feel like you can find those small wins and realize that yes, even now. <laughs> God is, is inspiring us. God is giving us fresh ideas. And, um, and I just believe that's, that's, that'll continue, uh, but we have to keep leaning into it. So Chris, same question for you. What have you been doing to keep mental health up? Well, you know, and, and let me just draw attention real fast that this is not just a, um, a pandemic. This is also an election year. Oh, right. Everything that's been going on. Uh, I'm a guy who usually is plugged in. I am. Uh, I love news. I, I love the newspaper probably more than I like uh, reading. Uh, I read the online newspapers more than I like to watch the news. Uh, but I found myself just having to intentionally unplug uh, this has been yeah. a roller coaster mm. season. So, I mean, it's an election year. It's a pandemic. Uh, my dad passed away in July, but he wasn't That's just right. my dad. Yeah. He was also a, a staff member who handled pastoral yeah. care. Yeah. So, who now handles pastoral care? And my dad's gone. Right. Pandemic, elections, people are freaking out. Uh, and I found myself just getting consumed by that whole, all the drama going on around me. Uh, I found that instead of sleeping, in, I had to get up earlier. Mm. Uh, I found that I, I now enjoy the mornings more. I'll get into the office earlier. I'll head to the coffee shop earlier. I just need that first couple of hours to un, unwind, mm. tune out, tune into the Lord. Uh, like Jesus, I mean, whether it's a book that's nonfiction, it's not work. Uh, it's a podcast that's just about some randomness, you know, or something. <laughs> just get out of the ministry world yeah. for a yeah. little bit yeah. and, uh, and right. let the Lord refresh. You know, I, uh, so I was, uh, do it was a ministry related trip. I was out in Phoenix here, uh, a little while ago. And while I was out there, I was in this situation. Now, when I was there, their fall color was just coming into full, like just North of Phoenix area in Sedona fall color was coming in. I'm like, doggone it. I'm going to get me a hike in, uh, one or two of them. And I'm also going to read, I'm going to read something that I normally would not read. So guys, uh, I, I read, uh, Matthew McConaughey's green lights, his memoir that just came out. And let me just tell you, it's not normally something, the kind of thing that I would read. And it was great. It was like, it was just, I just could just, I didn't feel guilty about it. Like sitting down and, and reading it. Like I wasn't reading like some sort of, you know, how to ministry book, you know, and, and instead was, uh, yeah. just literally something that you enjoyed something yeah, for you. To yeah. Get back in, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm just like, I'm hearing all the, I just, I'm reading about the weird stories of a person's life. Who's definitely, um, well, just way different than I am for sure. You know? And, uh, and boy, oh boy, that was just a different, uh, it was a different experience. And I, I think just to get out of, to do some sort of holy disruption, I guess, to our, to our schedules and to our, our rhythms is, is something to think about. And now, and Kristen, as you, as you mentioned, and again, we are, I mean, we're so sorry for the loss of your father that you, that was just, I mean, it was your dad had overcome a, a really serious hospital stay and illness. And then, and then, you know, and so it was like, it was very much an up and down thing for you. Um, I'm just wondering, you, you know, what does, 
was the what does as pastors we walk alongside of people who are grieving all the time like and we we have a i think at times a unique uh view into the world of grief um is grief different for you in this season or do you think there was is was there a uh, some things that came to you um with like you said all the other things that are crisscrossing plus you're losing this relationship that, uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying that you and your dad were close, 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 right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, a lot happened. I, I remember finding myself telling Shauna, my wife, and uh, my mom, you know, the things that I've said for 25 years to families who are walking through this, I have to now own it. Mm -hmm, I have mm -hmm. to believe it myself mm -hmm. because it was truth what I was telling them. I have to own that as truth for me now too. And, and really yeah. keep reminding myself, what would I tell somebody else right now? Okay, apply it to your life yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and rest in that. And you know, guys, I, honestly, I don't know how people go through this without uh, the Lord because, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I always knew that and I always said that, but now it's a whole nother thing to where I'm like, man, this is sad. Uh, it hurts. Yeah. All these firsts, they hurt. But mm -hmm. then I'm reminded of the hope that I have in Jesus. And this isn't the end. Absolutely. This is the beginning. Yep. And uh, there's a reunion that will come. And we wouldn't want him back, you know, in the condition <laughs> that yeah. he was in. Yep. Right. And so then we stop and we celebrate. And, yeah. And right on. But That's believing good. what we actually know to be true and then owning it ourselves, that, that really took on a whole new level for me. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it just interesting? I mean, I think it's encouraging to say, like, we're never, we're never done learning. Like, we encounter, we can intellectually know some things, but then when life circumstances come to mm -hmm. us and our knowledge and our faith collide in this experience of an everyday situation that we're in, good or bad, it's like, um, I kind I think I can only sort of liken it to how the disciples must have felt after Jesus left them, mm -hmm. you know, after he finished the early, you know, he had said all these things for three years. They had thought they figured it out. They clearly didn't figure it out, you know, uh, at the time, but then it had all of these really like aha moments, you know, as they were walking forward in faith and, um, and trying to and trying to follow Jesus without him physically being there. And I, I just wonder, uh, Chris, uh, if if what you're kind of explaining there, I, I maybe that just gives us an insight into, uh, you know, we don't have always have all the answers, but we are given a way, you know, we are given a way forward in Jesus. And um, that uh, I agree. I don't dude, without without faith right now. I don't I don't know how people are doing it i i i honestly it would don't. be tough yeah and and quite honestly they aren't doing it you know the, the, that's the that's the reality i think you, you know joel but honestly and, and andy the, the whole thing that we have been talking about as a church whether it's in this pandemic whether this is uh in an election year whether it's in a time of loss, is that we have to zoom out to see a bigger picture of what's going on. Mm. It's all perspective. You know, it, it, when it comes to the election, the Lord used good leaders, the Lord used bad leaders to accomplish his task. But the reality is the Lord was always the one in control. Yep. And when we zoom out big enough to say, you know what, Lord, my goal and my job is just to be faithful every day to do the things you've asked me to do. 
I can stop having to worry about is the pandemic the end of it all? Is is an election the end of it all? What's going to come? And, and all the consumption that people are under. And zoom out and see a bigger picture. The, the Lord just says, hey, it's a day at a time. Thy word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. Right I, I will show you the next step, not the next 10 <clears throat> steps down the road. And he just asks us to be faithful. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's well, I agree with that, Chris. I mean, if you... Yeah. If, if you zoom out and then uh, and then zoom back in, because people tend to, we don't we tend to stay out there. Oh yeah, I see the big picture now, so I'm going to stay out here. And yet, it requires us to zoom back in and say, okay, what is the next right thing that I must do? What's the next right? Thing? What can I do to the? How can I help the next person right here in front of? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, so Gene, if you could do, hit the redo button on anything that you've done this year, what would that be? Yeah, another deep penetrating. Yeah, that's question. another one. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, <laughs> on, and Gene's going to go on one thing. Yes, <laughs> just one thing. <laughs> um, I. Oh man, I feel like we've done. Uh, we've made a lot of good decisions. We've done a lot of things right. But I do wish, here. Uh, here's my wish list, right? I do uh, wish that I could have, oh man, this requires magic skills because I do wish that we could have had I would have had a little more insight into what some of my uh, my team members, what some of my um, fellow church members would have, what some of their needs would have been. Like if, like I feel like I I fell short in in meeting some of those, and as a pastor. Like that's that's the crux of much of what we do. We're shepherds. We we care for people. And if I could push the rewind button, I would take it back to um, you know some of those interactions, some of those conversations where I would have been. Um, and I'm a pretty gracious guy, but um, I do know that. Uh, Chris mentioned he wishes he would have been, he's figured out that maybe he's not as patient as he thought he was. I figured out that I'm not as gracious and like, I want to like, my attitude towards people is like, I don't usually, I've never punched anybody in the face, except maybe my little brother (laughs) growing up. There have been multiple times when I have been stretched like, "Mm." like, and so I had to figure out a way to like, get that away from, you know, get that out of my system. But, but yeah, I mean, just, just peeling it back to say, wow, if I could, if I could even just have some of those interactions again to where um, I could be a little more like kind and gracious to the, to those of us around us that, that are just in need. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the top things for me. Good, Chris. Yeah. What's uh, what's your redo wish, Chris? 
Uh, I would probably have two. I, I mentioned pastoral care there earlier. Uh, you know, everything had to change, uh, not just in losing uh, my staff member, who was my dad, who was covering that, but people in the hospital, you can't go see them, you know, mm. and, and how do right. you let them genuinely know that you care? Because, you know, our staff's praying for them. We're talking about them regularly. You can't even really pick up the phone and call, you know, as much as you wanted. Uh, just trying to read. If I could go back and do that over, I wish I had a better plan uh, in that because I feel like there was a disconnect and people needed relationship in that time. Uh, if I had one other redo, we, we were in the process of building in smaller groups. I just think, you know, if I could go back and do it over again, we need to get smaller. You know, Gene and I both came from larger church perspectives and now are pastoring uh, medium, you know, sized churches and such. But but the, the idea of growing smaller as you grow larger is critical because in a pandemic, the way this thing lasts is that you're still in small relationships with people. Yep. And it's trying to get more of those people involved. Be more intentional about that. So if I could redo two things, pastoral care and uh, really had made a more concerted effort to get people into smaller groups sooner. Hey, Chris, can I ask a question? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, this is good. This is good. Go for can it, Gene. Go. Please do it. Go. Yes. <laughs> hey, Chris, did you find that people were uh, uh, stepping back from a relationship instead of like leaning in? Because that was my experience was – I we tried to we tried to do more relation smaller group relationship uh, enact more of that and get some things up and running uh, because we were we were in our building for like I don't I think eight weeks and then we I mean in our new space for eight weeks and then we were out for like ten and all of that was just like we had new people coming we didn't know some of these people that were coming. We didn't have, um, you know, we, we're pretty loose about, like, tell us when you want to be connected. And so it's not like we had a, you know, a, a guest book, an old time guest book going down the aisle and everybody signing their names and contact information. Uh, we didn't do that. We don't do that. So, uh, so we found ourselves with a core group of people and then a whole bunch of other people that we, we didn't have connection with. And it seemed like, when the pandemic hit, everybody sort of retreated into their homes and it was hard to get the interaction between even some of the crews, we call them crews, but the crews that were in existence. And gradually, I mean, we all went on Zoom, but gradually we all backed off and it kind of went to nothing. I don't know. Was that sort of your experience as well? Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, like you, uh, had the same policy that is uh, we want people to get connected when they feel like getting connected. Uh, but we definitely saw a step back. Uh, quite quite honestly, Gina, I'm, I'm going to guess you guys were in the same boat and, and, and even Andy and Joel. Uh, our church staff, we, we often find ourselves saying, we don't even know who goes here mm. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had we've had people coming in, uh, and and you know I'm really careful with that. Uh, you know, people coming in from another church because their church is closed or they don't feel like wearing a mask <laughs> the whole time, and, yeah. and I'm just trying to be hands off yeah. and yep. and not say, hey, this is a great opportunity for us. Nah, man. I tell you what, we want people to be where they need to be, and that's not doesn't not mean it's our church, and so I want I want them to feel that, but it's been very awkward to figure out how do we engage them 
How do I minister to them even though um, I treat them more like they're here on vacation because I want to be really careful with that. Mm. Um, I'm so glad. So, Chris, yeah, it's I, been very hard. Yeah. I'm so glad, yeah. glad Chris said that so I don't have to have the conversation with him after the show about the four families that are attending his church from my <laughs> church. Right I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, oh, uh, no, <laughs> we connected them. Yeah, that was different. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've stolen them totally. We had no problem. They're already <laughs> in leadership here. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful! It was Gene's awesome. church. It was Gene's church. church. You said thanks for coming. We're sending you yeah. back. Oh, appreciate it. Drop that one back in the river. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. I think and and so this is actually a great segue because we're 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 half serious and half joking about it. But uh, there has been, and I'm sure with all of us, this conversation. We receive messages, phone calls, uh, regular communication uh, uh, from a broad, uh, a, a broad perspective uh, within our congregation of, um, you know, hey, hey, if you if if this policy changes or you do this thing differently, I know I'm worried that X Y Z people are going to go somewhere else. So please, whatever you do, keep doing this or please don't do this anymore you know whatever whichever side it is which because by the way there's uh equally competing uh pushes and pulls on all on all sides and i am um i am wondering uh guys um because here's my perspective in all of this what has become clear to me is that ultimately people are people you know people say that people uh, we talk about people resist change you know they they fear change i'm not so sure that it's the change specifically cuz people change stuff all the time hair color hairstyle shoes cars whatever what people fear is the loss that comes with change the uh, a sense of of what might go away that they that they hold dear and I'm just wondering in these days where we're having to uh, institute different policies, uh, some, you know, depending on, you know, what organization we're with, but then, you know, those, they vary. Other policies are, are handed down to us, you know, that's like, we have to do these things that are put in place. How have you guys navigated? How have you thought about, and how have you talked with your teams about, um, responding to the either thinly veiled or very overt uh alt i don't know call them threats if you want to ultimatums or just general conversations about if we do if if our church does this thing whatever policy it might be or whatever in this time of pandemic then i think either we are going to go somewhere else or we are worried about other people going elsewhere how have you guys navigated that conversation? And Chris, I will start with you. Well, in this season, we for sure realize that a lot of people have an opinion, mm. uh, even, <laughs> more than, even more than normal. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and I was surprised how, how vast the opinions were going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we are on so many extremes. We, we have people that say they're not going to come back until there's a vaccine. Uh, we have people that say we're not coming if you make us wear masks. We're not coming if you have any of those types of things because we're all about freedom and our constitutional rights. And so as a team, we've really tried our best just to to love people where they are, not engage the argument, but just, you know, say, hey, you know, we, we want you to do what's best 
for your family. We want to care for you in this time. And if that means you need to step back, um, you know, we look through a, a, a missing list uh, uh, just uh, on Tuesday in our staff meeting and just going through and seeing who hasn't been here since the pandemic started. And that list is long, but there's a variety of reasons. And we just want to love people where they are. Some people have felt like a change of church was necessary during the season. I'm That's fine. That's good. I want to see people stay engaged. To me, we have to chase the strays. We have to chase those who haven't landed anywhere. That's who I should be chasing. The issue is if they've left my church and they're engaged in Gene's church, I'm happy about that. I want them to be engaged where they are. It's the it's the strays who haven't gone anywhere that I find myself concerned about. And I think that's taking on a kingdom mindset instead of a church mindset. And that's a hard shift to make, but I think it's a yeah, necessary it church church shift for pastors to start making. Yeah, definitely. So, Gene, what about you? Quite same question. Yeah, Chris, that's really good. I, I, um, I really connect with what you just described. Um, did everyone on your team actually agree um, <laughs> on all the moves that you made? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Verbally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Chris, gosh, Chris, Chris, Chris should have been a politician. Yes. He really, he should have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, same thing on our team. I mean, we, we, I've got a great team. We got on the same page. Uh, we had strong opinions um, in a variety, you know, and, and, and they weren't always aligned, but at the end of the day, we got on the same page. We did what we felt was best. Um, I mean, I had, um, I, I have, I have come through, like, we've been in this now, what, since March and, um, the things that, the things that we've grappled with the most, um, have really, uh, it's been interesting when we, when we take a firm stand on something and, and Chris, maybe you found this too, but when you take a firm stand on something, uh, I hate the term weed people out, but it did sort of happen organically where, uh, well, if I have to wear a mask to serve because at restore, we, we made a firm stand on if you're serving or if you're on staff, a mask is required. And so we had people that just step, simply stepped back from serving because they didn't want to wear a mask. And that was a little like, I'll be, man, I'm going to be completely transparent here to say that that was a little disturbing to me. Yep. I mean, a lot disturbing to me because um, really like this is, this is something we can do for the other. This is something that even if you don't do it for yourself, do it for other people. Even if it's not completely effective, who's, I mean, I'm not arguing that it's the most effective thing in the world, but it's more the principle of the matter for me is that if I can do something, if we can do something as a church that expresses love for our neighbor, then I think we ought to step into that and sacrifice for two hours with yeah. a piece of cloth on our face without, you know, without getting uh, too bent out of shape about it. So it, it, it is just, it's been a really uh, a curious thing. 
in this season to see how we all respond mm -hmm. in ways that I think are perhaps surprising to every one of us. I've responded in ways to some things that have surprised myself. <laughs> and I know uh, I'm just confident that, that many of us find ourselves in the same place. So uh, this is the, uh, I mentioned this, uh, this uh, cultural idol question earlier. And this is the thing that I am wondering about as a pastor. And I, and again, I have a particular, uh, and you guys know where I'm coming from, you know, in general, theologically. And, uh, we, you know, ultimately it's like, uh, I serve the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of man. Primarily those are, that's, that's where I get my marching orders from. Uh, it's interesting. I'm using military lingo already. Um, <laughs> and, but in all of this, my perception has been this, and I, I say this with, I really say this without just uh, trying to paint with a broad, too broad of a brush or be just widely dismissive or anything like that, but hopefully a, 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 a right posture of heart. I have, the, the thing that maybe keeps me up at night as a pastor right now is the fact that I am uh, being... Uh, ripped away from the delusion that people want to serve Jesus more than elevating up their personal rights or freedoms. And, and th this, this is the thing, this is the thing for me. This is what I think troubles my heart and yet gives me, gives I'm grateful for the opportunity because it's given us clarity to speak to something I think that is in our culture and within Christianity. But what troubles me may, maybe the most is so much discussion about our freedoms, 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 liberty, 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 and very little discussion about the fact that we serve a rights relinquishing Jesus and who said you will be great in the kingdom by the way in which you serve other, others. And by the way, which, in way in which you serve others, potentially to your own detriment, even. Um, That's right. That's so right. Uh, rebuke me, correct my theology. What do you think? Uh, Chris, we'll, Chris we'll, start with, we'll start with you. Absolutely agree. Uh, you know, if I could expound on that just a little bit, Please. I really think that this problem is our problem. It's a pastoral problem. Mm. We have allowed for 50 years, longer than that, but we've allowed for 50 years people to sit in our pews and not mature in their faith. They sit Amen. in their pews mm -hmm. and they and they are spiritual infants, they're spiritual children, and not mature in their faith. And so we have to own part of that. Because then it's my rights as an American versus my rights uh, to lay down my rights as what you're saying with regards to Jesus for the greater good. The thing that keeps me up, Joel, very much like you're saying there, is that balance between what is my right as a, as a pastor to, to have a church that's continuing to meet needs and meeting together versus, you know, the, the whole idea of keeping the optics clean for those people in my that I'm trying to reach that don't see wonder why can the church still meet together when my company can only have 25 people in the room but for some reason you're exempt and you're and you're taking advantage of that 
And you're making us sicker by you doing that. And the optics of the people I'm trying to reach now have a disdain for the church, not a, a hope of the world for the church. Mm. Uh, and then the other side is the thing that keeps me up is trying to keep my staff safe, healthy, mm-hmm. the people who are trying to do the ministry. So all three of those things, and it's that whole rights-based deal. But I think if we zoom out bigger and own the problem that we haven't matured the believer enough in discipleship to see that is our greatest issue. Mm. Mic drop, no, right <laughs> yeah. Mic drop right there. Mic drop right there. Mic drop. Amen and amen. Uh, Gene, what say you? Oh, man. This is like I am chomping at the bit. This is one of the hottest topics for mm. me right now. Yeah. Like I am so, I'm tracking with you, Joel, this idea that the empire of the world is to be worshipped instead of the kingdom of Jesus is grievous. Mm. And I, I connect with what you're saying, Chris, because it is our responsibility that we have this, this, this idea, this, this calling of discipleship. There is the question, though, do people want to be discipled? And I believe, yes, they do. The proof is in the pudding. If you look at the discipleship that has happened by the U.S. government and by Facebook, over the course of the last year? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like they're doing a much better job. I don't get on Twitter every single day. I don't have a press conference every single day to give updates and give my opinion about everything in the world. Yep. I have one hour, if I'm lucky, on a Sunday morning where I have a captive audience. And yes, we all have influence on social media one way or the other. But I am astonished at the amount of, of, of um, discipleship, um, the level of, the level of, uh, of allegiance that is given to our government, and it is much higher. Come on, argue with me and tell me that the, that the, our allegiance, our our church's allegiance, our people's allegiance to the government is not higher. Oh man, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. <laughs> it's not higher than their allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just look at what we're seeing online on a daily basis from the very people that are sitting in our churches. Yes. They're yeah. much more, they're much more passionate yeah. about the, 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 the rights that are being removed from them and, and their constitutional, but that's not okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm ranting, but I'm also realizing, I know that part of it is, is our issue and our problem because we've allowed for this and, and we have fallen short in our discipleship methods and, you know, we got to pull it back and we've, we've got to say what is most effective and what used to work doesn't work anymore. Yep. And so if we want to disciple people. It takes more than just a Sunday morning. It probably means a lot of one-on-one mentoring. And I, I think that's, that's the direction of the future is a lot of one-on-one, two-on-one kinds of things. Yeah. It, hey, can it, I jump there on, you go. can I jump on that? Uh, because I think that you just opened the door to an even bigger, um, bigger issue. And that is, oh, shoot, I just lost what I was going to say. 
come back to me because it was really good. <laughs> As my great grandfather said, used to say, "Slipped a cog." Uh, that's what we. That's what we say. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I'll buy you time, Chris. Uh, so, oh, 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 yes, bingo. Oh, okay, oh, here we go. Go, go. <laughs> He's got it. He's, He's got, got it. it. Go for it. Here's here's the thing that I find interesting through this the season is how many people say you know the persecution that we're dealing with. I'm seeing I'm seeing my job as a pastor to prepare people for what real persecution is going to be. This is not persecution. No, no, this no. Is minor. No, and we're winging out. We're yes. winging out on this kind of persecution, and you, we, we haven't even seen what a ripping open of a trumpet or a seal or uh, whatever looks like. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just thinking we we are soft, yep. and we have to yeah. take serious maturing our folks in such a way as to be able to even withstand when real persecution happens. Yep, you know, Chris. Uh, Absolutely, I, I heard another pastor just. Yeah, I had another. I heard another pastor just just point to the fact that he hopes that I think it might have been Andy Stanley said he hopes that that the the church that is truly being persecuted never hears about the response of the American church during this pandemic. Yes, how embarrassing! How embarrassing! Would that be, right? I agree. They think we lost. Yeah, our marbles. Yep. I I look. I, I and part of it is is uh just a general and 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 folks, listeners. Here's here's the deal. You're you're hearing what you're hearing right now is behind the green curtain, as we like to as we like to say, where <laughs> I I really I really feel as though um our we we have first world problems in this area where we yeah. we as Western Christians are not connected to the global church to all that well. Um, we don't know what the what the church in Kenya or Ethiopia is going through or the underground church in China. Mm-hmm. Um, you know in, in my mind and, and so our, our point of reference uh, is is a, is a bit skewed globally when, when, when thinking about those things. Uh, in my mind guys and in and again, you tell me what you think. Um, until the bulldozer is at my church wall, I have a hard time talking about the church being persecuted right now. Until I actually see like a a, a militant, you know, and, and my, some people might think I'm naive that like they'll always, you know, because some people say, well, it's a slippery slope. We let a few things go here. We let a few things go da, yeah. da, da, da. And then down the road, this is what this is what happens. Uh, historically, I don't know if there's uh, you got to know some church history, but I, I don't know if there's a really great case for that being the instance. Usually there is a things were going along there when it comes to the church, a giant upheaval or overthrow. And then I, I, and because I would say this from my perspective, uh, the worst day in church history happened in Milan, Italy in 313 when the Roman emperor Constantine said Christianity is legal and we're going to build churches. We're going to build buildings to gather them and they will be known. uh, Christians will be known by the cathedrals at which they attend the sacred rites in which they participate and, and not, you know, I'm a big fan of communion baptism and all of that, obviously, but when you started to structuralize these things and it seems that now those things that were not primary in in those functions that were not primary in the early, early church, when they became kind of codified later, 
it seems that that's what our folks are really holding on to. Like we need to meet in the big building. We need to be able to do the, the, the big things or it's not church. And, and I just think like if the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter or whatever, like walked up to us right now, like did a little, you know, they just showed up. I think they'd be a little confused guys. What do you think? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And we've taken the church and made it a building and not a mission that the Lord has called us to. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's something that we can still work at. And I think that that means a church has to not take a look at discipleship as a program of the church, but the mission Mm. of the church, Mm -hmm. not just a part of the church, but has to be the church. Because at that particular point, we start to break down that wall. Uh, And, you know, quite honestly, and I'm going to say something and I hope my people aren't listening (laughs) ever tune in to this because we're going to make you share it on social media. So you be careful. (laughs) (laughs) I might, I might be planning a church with Gene really soon. Uh, the, the reality is, I think, too, once pastors started taking salaries, then we got to the point where yeah. we were like, man, we don't want to lose this. Yeah. We have this good gig going on. Now, Now I, you know, I, I love that this is my calling and I get to live it out full time right. uh, because I don't think we would be as effective in a large scale like this. But if the church was a micro type of church, then I think that we would be uh, probably much more expansive when it comes to discipleship and perhaps having more impact in some ways. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I edit edit that out. (laughs) Actually, it's funny. Andy on our, Andy on our machine here, what he can do is he can flag, uh, like to bookmark certain points in the, uh, in the, uh, recording process. Uh, that way we can share little snippets on social media. And I know there's a flag on that one too. So uh, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Chris. Uh, you, <laughs> I'm going to put, make you put your money where your mouth is. No, I, I agree. Like I frequently, um, I have just wondered, like, am I, am I so in bed for lack of a better term? Am I so in bed with, some of the structural things that that's what this pandemic, that's what this season, that's what 2020 has brought out in me is these questions of I, the machine has to succeed for me to have, to, to have a, a vocation. That's what it can feel like. Like the machine as it was has to, like I get so many people indoors in order for my paycheck to continue or, or what, or whatever, or I become irrelevant, quote unquote irrelevant. If these certain structures that have been around break down for a while. And I, and I just, all I go to the, I go to the beginning of the church. I go to the book of acts. I go to the words of Jesus. And I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit I'm a little bit off course here when the, when those anxieties come up within me I I think yeah I think that John Maxwell jacked up the church in the late 90s when everything started to become about leadership. Yeah. And all of a sudden, pastors started taking on leadership. And we had mission, vision, value statements for the nursery. I mean, everything had <laughs> yeah. mission, vision, yeah. value statements. And, and you had your own mug and you had all this stuff. And, and all of a sudden, we lost what we were thinking. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate our businessmen and women. I appreciate the entrepreneurs. But the churches got a pretty simple mission. 
And that's tell people about Jesus and lead them to Christ and yep. mature them in the faith so that they ultimately are reproducing themselves. It's not about our leadership status. And I don't ever want Walker's Missionary Church to be known as uh, the church that Chris Knight is a pastor at. Uh, I want us to be known as a body of believers who are about discipleship. And I want yep. my name to really be buried in this thing yep. because it's not about yep. me. Yeah. It's about the mission that we're on. And that's that's where I think churches have to get back to these roots. Yep. Now I see Joe, now you got me all passionate. Good. You know, and then you're good. And then, <laughs> yeah. Well it, I don't and, know how I'm gonna go to sleep tonight. Well there you go. Uh you know, I I but all to all your guys' points, these are things that that we as spiritual leaders have to own. Um but then uh, to our audience, our dudes, our dads, our families have to own within their own within their own family. They, I, I can't uh, I as a pastor have the limitation of I can only be discipling so many people, but those people are discipling people who are discipling people like we it, the the idea, we're supposed to be, and I know this is touchy language in this season. We're supposed to be a virus. Like Christianity is supposed to virally reproduce. Like that's it. Like that is how, that is how at 100 AD you had 25, uh, you know, you had 25,000 Christians roaming the earth and 200 years later you had 20 million without any of the structures that we enjoy today. I mean, heck they didn't even have the Bible the way we have the Bible today. And they grew that much. Why? Because it was about discipleship, because it was about one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three relationships, and that's what changed the world. And so um, I just think, I think for everybody listening, like, uh, yes, Corona has been a, been a real thing, and it's been challenging, and cultural, sociological, racial unrest, all the things that we have, we have faced – election year that we have faced all of that stuff though real does not hinder the ability for the spirit of god in his word to for people to witness to one another to disciple one another and to multiply i mean because the fact of the matter is is that in the early days they were believers were under real persecution and they still got it Mm. done right so uh you know, when you get all those pastors together, we've we've preached four four or five sermons here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's what we've done. Yes, yes. So, so guys, uh, boy, um, let's let's just say we're gonna we're gonna here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get together the beginning of next year. We're gonna do this again, and we're gonna we're, either we're going to uh, make apologies for the things we said tonight, or we're gonna say that we're still we're still <laughs> we're still on board with what we with what we've shared. Uh, but, but guys, um, if we're still pastors, yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, yeah. y'all can come be yeah. co- co-host. Not, yeah, it doesn't pay a all, lot. But. We're all starting a podcast together. That'll be our only form of income. Won't pay a lot, but, um, uh, guys, uh, before, uh, before we go to our, our final segment, which I'm also very, very excited about, uh, I do just want to offer, cause you, you guys have shared, I think a fair amount uh, to this point, but, uh, and starting with Eugene, if there if there is one word of sort of pastoral encouragement, uh, um, or or just anything that you would want to put to the folks listening, what what would it be? What what what's something like? What's on your heart that you just you want people to know? 
I think that we are in a season where we are inclined toward questioning everything more than ever before. We don't trust the authorities around us. We struggle with um, relationships. <clears throat> Our ability to trust that even God has us. I think seasoned followers of Jesus are, are um, questioning things they may have never questioned before. And I think all of that is, is it's not all bad because it gets to the root issues that, that bring up these fears that we have, that, that bring up these questions that we have, and it allows us to get at the things that, that have maybe stunted our spiritual growth. So yeah, to everyone listening, like just lean into Jesus at, at a greater depth than you ever have before. He is fully aware that we have questions. He's not surprised by any of this. He's expecting, he's, he's, he wants us to bring this to the table for him, to, to say, hey, God, I don't understand all of this. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying, I hate this experience right now. It is, but, but, but this season allows for us to be, I think it allows for us to, to be more authentic, more transparent, and at the same time, not drop our guard to the ways that the enemy wants to take these things that we're experiencing, the things we're feeling, and use it for his advantage. Mm. And so by that, I simply mean that all of these questions, all the doubts that we have, my goodness, uh, process those things. But in, at the same time, keep recognizing that you have influence in your sphere, you have the responsibility to still represent Jesus in a way that is, is drawing people to himself. Man, if we could all grasp that message, our community is going to be different. Our neighborhoods are going to look differently. They're going to feel differently. When we bring the Spirit of God into each and every sphere of influence we have, nothing remains the same. And that's the great hope we have of bringing change to every place we go. Beautiful. Chris, what about you? Same question. I would have two things I think I would add uh, to this is one is your pastor is human and he is just a voice among voices. One, one of the, uh, one of the greatest lines I heard all pandemic, uh, there's a pastor in our town. He's a, he's an older gentleman. I've just grown to love him. Uh, he called me one day. They're trying to figure out what to do with their church. wondered what we were doing and vice versa. We're sharing information. And he said, Chris, I feel like I am in 1863 and I'm on a battlefield of the civil war. And the problem is I'm wearing gray pants and a blue jacket. <laughs> Everybody oh, is yeah, shooting yeah. at me. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? That is the best way to sum it up because you can't yeah. please everybody. See your see your pastors mm -hmm. as people who are trying the best. We never had a class on this <laughs> in school how, yeah. how to how to lead through a pandemic. But the second thing I would say piggybacks on what Gene I think so so eloquently said there is Jesus is standing before Pilate. Mm 
And he says, for this reason, I came for this. I was Mm. born for this reason. I came and it's to testify to the truth. And I think right now what we're seeing in our world is everybody has a form of truth. I think we need to turn our attention to what does Jesus call truth? And when we find out what Jesus calls Mm. truth, then I think we can get our arms around what we're really called to do, but we have to Mm. stop making our own version of truth. Well, this is true to me. Well, I don't care what's true to you uh, i want to know what's right. true to jesus and he is mm. the author and perfecter right. of our faith amen Beautiful. amen right on well guys uh because we can't let any of our guests go without putting them through a special kind of punishment uh it's now time for the segment we like to refer to as now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz oh boy so here we go so here's oh a couple of random questions so joel how are we going to do this tonight let's see um andy i'm going to have you interrogate gene and then i will uh interrogate chris and so we'll just go uh Perfect. we'll go just back boom boom back and forth. Back. All right. yeah. All okay right. so so first question gene uh is it going to be a real simple one what is your favorite place to eat in the goshen area Oh yeah, that is simple. Um, uh, it's it's Constant Spring. It's Ghost oh, yeah. Brewing Company and Venturi Pizza. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the Blessed Trinity. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, Chris, if you um, were forced to play any orchestral or uh, instrument, so any uh, instrument within the orchestra, what would that instrument be? Oh, my word. I had to stop and think what instruments are in an orchestra. That's how bad it is. Uh, you know what? I'm all about the trombone because I think it would be fun to try to whack the person in front of me. Beautiful. Good answer. Good answer. Yes. Just just to mess with them a little bit. <laughs> good. Wow. That's, that's a really good really good question. All right. So, Gene, uh, thinking back to when you were almost at a child, but not really a child. When you were young, what was your first car? A 1972 bright cherry red duster with a white Ooh. top on the white vinyl top on it, uh, 50s on the back and something more skinny on the front. Um, that car lasted me all of about, uh, I want to say, two weeks. It was my <laughs> prized possession. And I, uh, those big wide tires didn't navigate a curb very well. Ooh. And I had, it was a three speed on the floor. I tried to shift down, hit that curb and I flipped Ooh. it into a ditch. I came out unscathed by the grace of God, but, uh, the car didn't. Oh man. By the way, that is the, that's the sexiest car answer we've had, uh, right. to this point on the show. So <laughs> congratulations. And the most tragic probably too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> Chris, um, if you were to compare your wife to any flower in the known universe, <laughs> what flower would she be? Uh, Andy, please make sure you get this, get this oh, too. I will make sure you tag Why can't this. I talk about cars? I'll give you the, I'll give you the car question. I'll give you the car you question gave, later. You gave, you gave me orchestra and flowers. Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. this is unfair. Okay. I'll even okay, it up uh, here. Okay. You know, uh, c- clearly, clearly the sunflower. Ooh. Uh, that's- uh and why? I have no idea why. 
They're, <laughs> it's big and bold, and it makes me smile. It's bright. It adds life to right. my day. Make Beautiful. sure that she hears that. One. Beautiful. That's, that's we a will. good one. We'll oh, send that lo- quote directly to her. I love it. I love it, Chris. Good job. Good job. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Gene. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on a little bit on that track here. So, uh, what is your favorite love song? Well, uh, Brenda and I, uh, oh man, I can't give our secrets. Well, we uh, then make something up. <laughs> we were we were dating, sitting in the in a dark corner. Uh, I love where this is going already. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> listening to, uh, um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the group? You guys, this has been a long time ago. I'm all out of love. What was uh, air supply? Air supply. Yes, sitting there listening to air supply. I'm all out and, of uh, love. That became I'm like so oh man, that song you. comes on. Oh yes. Woo. Oh game on. Oh, okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, Chris, here we go, man. Uh, you're on a. You're trapped on a desert island, and uh, you have uh, three books. And I'm and I'm going to let you off because here's the deal: we, us spiritual people always know, like, oh, you got to say the Bible. And you do, you don't have to include the Bible in this list. You got three books that you can have with you. What are those three books? Oh my word! I, I think I'm going to want to be on a desert island after this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the Bible. Uh, a couple of my favorite books: uh, Church is a Team Sport, Jim Putman, mm-hmm. uh, Discipleship, One Size Doesn't Fit All by. Um, Gary McIntosh, those three books. Okay. They, they stretch me every time I read them. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So my last question here is going to be, if you could meet one person alive or dead, doesn't matter, who would that be? I would love to meet Ben Franklin. I think he has historically, he has been um, one of the primary characters in the history of the U S and his, his uh, varied interests and uh, accomplishments. uh, You know, you could just, uh, I think meeting him would be just outstanding. You could talk to him for days about any topic under the sun. Okay, Chris, uh, final question. Which one of your children do you love more? No, no. Well, that, one is, <laughs> that one's easy. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, uh, <laughs> He's rough on you today, Chris. Oh, man. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Chris, uh, with, both, uh, with both Corbin and Brennan, if you could name one thing uh, with each of them, like the one thing that you've enjoyed doing with with each of them, like the most, what would, what would that be? Literally you did break up for just a second. The one thing I, what? Okay. The one thing. So for each of your kids, the one thing you, you have enjoyed or currently are enjoying or have enjoyed doing the most with them. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, for my daughter, Brent and I, uh, we both have an interest in photography. And so we like to hop in the truck and take off and, and shoot some landscape photography from time to time. Corbin, honestly, I just enjoy communicating with him. He stretches my thinking. We laugh a lot when he talks, uh, he, he, you know, He's probably 20 years old and smarter than me. Uh, so we enjoy we enjoy playing games as a family. I enjoy game time because he brings out all kinds of facts I've never heard of before. It's kind of like Joel DeMott going on vacation and bringing out facts that <laughs> oh, you're like, boy. I'm not even sure if that's, <laughs> that's, I'm not even sure if that's true or not. Beautiful. But I'm, beautiful. Not smart en- I'm not smart enough to tell you you're wrong. So, <laughs> uh, no, I just, I love conversations with Corey. Right on. That's good. That's good. Uh, and I should just... Just as a little piggyback, uh, you, you mentioned game playing, and we're we're all um, I uh, Andy and his family have helped reform me in this area. I did not grow up as much of a game player. Uh, do you have a particular uh, favorite family game that you guys use your go to? Uh, there's a game, well, here again, this kind of shows Corbin. There's a game my wife's family grew up playing. It's called Masterpiece. And it's a game that's based on uh, artwork that's found in the Chicago Institute of Art. And you bid on it, and it's just, there's a whole game about it. And and they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a painting. And Corbin will say, you know what, in real life, that's really only about three feet by three feet. And I'll go, I've never. <laughs> you know wow very yeah. cool yeah yeah, yeah great and they know the names of people so yeah Amazing. i enjoy the game time but i learn all kinds of stuff awesome yeah awesome well guys uh i think i can just go out on a limb and say uh this has been a treat it a has. real treat for both Andy and I and an incredibly helpful conversation. Uh, we are, I think we're basically, cause I'm itching. I, I've, we, we could talk about any number of other things for an extensive period of time. So uh, coming back in, uh, we can say right now, coming back in 2021, you guys will be added, yeah. added to the elite, the elite alumni of repeat guests, I think is a, is an absolute. Oh, right. So, um, elite. <laughs> in fact, in fact, we're going to each send you a sweatshirt that just says "Elite Alumni" on it. That's what we're going to do. Oh, <laughs> I got to get on making that. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, I just gave Andy another job uh, right there. Uh, but both Gene and Chris, uh, let me just say uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, just grateful for your ministry. I'm grateful for uh, the voice, the way that you have either directly or indirectly uh, just spoken into into my life as as a leader i'm grateful for what you're doing in our communities that uh we do and this is not a self-flagellating thing we but we have a being a pastor right now is just a weird weird and and challenging thing and i'm grateful uh just for your guys's faithfulness and all of it so thanks for being an example for uh the kingdom of god and uh keeping your hand to the plow as they say so thank you both so much thank you such a pleasure Guys, thanks again, guys, for for being for being on the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, guys, uh, we appreciate everybody that's tuned in tonight. Uh, we will be on a on a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, here. so we're gonna be. Uh, this is like we said, the end of season two, and so we will actually be taking all of December off. So if you don't hear from us for a while, that's why. I'm going to California, Andy. <laughs> Go. San Diego. Go for it. 
have fun. <laughs> and I'm that sounded really because na- I looked at you like I'm going to California. And and I'm Andy's, like have fun, uh, have yeah. fun. That was terrible for me to say. Terrible. I'm not going to apologize for it though. Um, so uh, guys, we'll be taking January off, but coming back yeah. with December. January, December. Get it right, Joel. We'll be taking December off and coming back in January, and we'll be uh, obviously updating you as to when all of that is uh, going to be uh, going on. But uh, we're grateful for each and every one of our listeners. Right. We could not do this show without you guys, without your feedback, without your financial support. So we really appreciate that. Um, it's been a really fun time, Joel, just to be able to have these two seasons under our belt. Um, it's nowhere but downhill from here, Andy. I think I, uh, we've hit our pinnacle and now we're going down. So uh, guys, as always, you can contact us over at dudes and dads podcast at gmail.com. Or you can go over to the website, dudesanddadspodcast.com. Got all the shows there, the links, the show notes. We have a lot of show notes on these two guys. There's we a do. lot of, a lot of yes. dirt we didn't even talk about we need to put up there. Definitely. You know, hit us up, have uh, write a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts for us. Uh, Reviews, five stars, all that. We love it. We love it. So, guys, uh, appreciate all each and every one of you. And until next time, grace, grace and, and peace. peace.